one of the most dangerous things police do is to pull somebody over. Oh, absolutely. They have no idea what's going on. Right. We've had a number of cops killed that way. They right. just, they don't know. Like, if you're, especially if you're not in a high-speed chase or something, you broke the law, you're speeding or whatever, they pull you over, you have no idea what they were coming up to. Right. Here's, here's one of my takeaways, and I don't know what you think about this. Let's stop talking about race all the time Start and start thinking of ourselves as equal. We're one in Christ and just make it simple. What happens to you, Steve, happens to me. It doesn't matter if you're a black man, white man, Hispanic man. It happens to you. It happens to me. And that's how America has to look at it. I'm Bill McMinn, Senior Pastor of Beagleville Bible Church. And this is the Way to Go podcast. And we are about faith, family, and daily life. We're about taking God's word, breaking it down, making it practical to everyday living. And we love to do it. Now, if you want to watch the show, you can actually go to Eagleville Bible Church. Just go to YouTube, type in Eagleville Bible Church. You will find it on the Way to Go playlist. But again, faith, family, and daily life. This is what we're all about. Welcome to the Way to Go podcast. I'm here with my dear friend, Steve Sargent. We've been talking about racism, done a couple of podcasts on it already. This one, I want to switch gears a little bit to some of the questions that people... Okay. Questions that I have. Mm-hmm. Well, let's forget questions that people have. No, let's just say questions that Bill has. Okay. <laughs> so, and and obviously we've been friends for uh, several years yeah. at this point, at least yeah. four years we've been friends. So mm-hmm. I love talking to you. I always have a lot of fun. Love having you as a partner and doing podcasts. You, do, you. you do a wonderful job. You are a great compadre when it comes to doing these podcasts. So thank, thank you. you. Um, okay. In, in all the rights, I think the... Uh, and I don't even want to talk about it. I know there, there's been a lot of violence. We all know it. We've all, mm-hmm. we've all rehearsed it. Pretty much most people have, have condemned that. Yes, we shouldn't be burning stores, shouldn't be killing people, shouldn't be beating people. We know that. There's a message that this whole thing started with George Floyd and people being upset with that man killed by a cop. They should be upset about yes. it. We all should be upset about it. What is the message we should be hearing? Because obviously the protest is getting lost. Mm-hmm. What is the, the original message of the protest? The original message should be that it, when I saw the uh, video of him pleading for his life. Right. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I've seen it probably twice. I cannot watch it. Right. I can't watch um, it. Same way. Because I've never seen anything like it. And there's been questionable, ac- questionable activity where a police killed someone and it was like they didn't have to or they were unarmed. You know, we can go through all of those details. I have never seen anything like that where you have a person in custody who's begging for his life in front of an audience who's right. videotaping and right. and begging for his life as well. And it just completely goes unnored, ignored and he dies right. and you're still doing what you were doing when he died. And, and no matter dead. what happened, even if the man and they proved that he died of a heart attack and not asphyxiation, he died of a heart attack because you stressed his body out with a knee right. in his neck. So I, I think there, there's no, there's zero excuse for it. I don't care what they come up with yeah. and what happens in court or anything else. There is zero excuse for that kind of behavior. Mm-hmm. And you know what's the sad thing about it, Steve, is we were doing better. And I think with all the protests four years ago, a lot has has been, I think, anyway, has been getting better. And even the the watchdog groups over the police have been saying, look, there we've seen a lot of improvements. Yeah. You're looking at since 2011, how many people were shot by police officers in actually Chicago? Far less, far less than what it had been prior. Far mm-hmm. less. So, I mean... Clearly, there, there's been progress, but that was a setback. And sure I think was. it was just an unfortunate time. And and so the message is what then? Because you didn't like it. Is no, I didn't. The message is, number one, there probably should be more training in the police department, at least there. 
because there's no way where there are four of them, right? There are four, yes. We're involved with that. Nobody had the sense of, like, we need to get off of his neck and all of this other stuff. He's already subdued. I don't know what he could have possibly right. done. I, I don't know who ground. came up with I heard that somebody said uh, – Police are only trained for six weeks and turned loose on the street. A lot of the cops are ex-military for one thing, um, at least as far as my knowledge of it goes. State Highway Patrol, six months mm -hmm. of training, and it's intense sure. training. Six months of intense training. You're there morning till night right. getting trained for six months, and they also train sheriffs and police departments down there, and they may not go the full six months. Mm -hmm. It is not a six-month and you're out training. I mean, Ohio would never, ever, ever put their stamp on that. So I'm not sure, like, where that comes from. I think that they're better trained than that, but I'll, I'll give you this. If that's what they're doing, then they need better training. Yes. So, and I think even what the, from what they say on Facebook to what what they communicate to their attitudes mm -hmm. to how they um, encounter people, how they communicate themselves to people as they approach, I mean, the whole nine yards. But my daughter was a very highly trained, and I actually saw the training on the walls about what it, it took before you would take a step of violence, mm. like all what those steps were. And I mean, it was a pretty high bar before you would ever even pull your weapon. And a lot of the state troopers that I've talked to, they've never drawn their yeah. gun. A yeah. lot of police officers, they've never fired at anybody. So this whole idea that the, these, these guys are a bunch of cowboys out there shooting at people, mm. that's nonsense. I mean, that's, that's not happening. In Chicago right now, Steve, in Chicago, and to over 1,200 shootings in Chicago this year, of 2020 so far, there's been over 1,200 shootings. The police have been involved in five. Mm. In 1,200 shootings, three were killed, two, two were wounded. Mm -hmm. So three people have been killed. 225 people have been killed by guns in Chicago so far this year. Police were involved in three of that. Mm. So obviously it's not them Killing these people. Yeah. Right. right. I mean, there, there's other issues and things going on. I think the message is uh, police brutality. I think that's part of it. Yeah. That, you know, hey, we want to bring light to it, that this stuff should never happen. And I think that most police I would know would absolutely agree with that. Sure. Um, I would say a message would be to me that we shouldn't lose sight of is we're all equal. And what happens to one happens to all. Mm -hmm. And that should be as upsetting to a white person as a black person as an a Hispanic person, anybody, right? Because that's, right? Right. that's a human being, right? That that's crying out for help, right? It wasn't even one of those, you know. Sometimes you might just be trying to arrest a person and they fall and maybe end up dead accidentally or something. That was, you know, even though nine minutes isn't an eternity, nine minutes is an eternity. Are when you you're dying? Me? Absolutely. Somebody have a knee on my neck that's, for nine that minutes. That is just. I, I, I don't even know. All I can think of is that guy just totally lost yeah. it on that day because there's just no justification. But he had a long re track record from what I heard. I don't know if it's true because I don't trust Facebook and I didn't look it up myself. Mm. But if you did, you got unions as a problem protecting whether it's bad teachers, bad cops, bad whoever. You know what I'm saying? So I think there are some reasons where you need to look into, hey, if there, if there are issues, maybe some of these guys need to go. Mm -hmm. All right? Because not because they're giving a lot of great cops. There are a lot of great, great cops sure. giving them a bad name. Now, what are black youths taught about cops and whites? Well, I don't know so much taught, but you can hear at times some youth saying they hate cops or they don't like cops. And it, it really bothers me because we all need the police. Right. I mean, we need them. Whether we realize it or not, right? Even if you never have to call them, you need them. We all right. need them. We have no idea what things they have done to help us. What's that shirt you're wearing right now? Kids and cops. All right, talk about it's it. Our, uh, uh, well, we started about five years ago, actually, with the dialogue. Um, Detective Greg Leonard, um, at the time he was our county prosecutor, Nick Irochi, 
And um, we've had representatives from Asheville Police Department, Geneva, Conneaut, Sheriff's Department, um, some pastors um, in the area, Pastor Womack from the Peaceable People's Missionary Baptist Church, Pastor Tony from the City Church in Geneva, and a few other folks. We started out in the room. We probably had 20 people, I guess. And we met for like six months, no kidding, almost once or twice a month trying to figure out how we might be able to do this. Greg had a great revelation of trying to bring, bridge the gap between cops and a lot of our kids, especially in the like inner city. Right. And so that the cops can see them in a light that they probably had never seen and the kids could see the cops in a light. Right. So when we got through hashing out all this stuff, we came up with, along with the help of the ODNR, to have a, spend a weekend with the cops uh, for kids that were selected, they were, we strategically targeted certain kids by way of the school counselors and other counseling agencies that recommended <clears throat> certain young men. And we went from like, we started with ages eight to 12. Right. And they would come and spend the weekend. Um, we provided transportation and everything. And it's a whole weekend full of coaching. They actually stayed in the tent. A lot of the kids had never stayed in the tent. They and the police officers right there the with police them, officer. camping with these yes. kids. Right. And so we had, listen, for every kid, we probably had four or five volunteers. Right. Not constant, but, you know, because some of them, some of the people didn't stay all night. You know, they'd come help during the day and they'd go home or whatever. And then there was a contingency of us that were there the whole time. Right. Because it's about 48 hours long. And um, they, they teach them how to fish. They teach them how to do archery. There's a petting zoo. They do obstacle courses. They play basketball, pontoon boating. They go on a nature hike, and, and the cops are leading them. Last year when we, we got there, because we come from different parts, There's most of them are from Ashtabula, but there's some from Geneva. Right. And then we partnered with Trumbull County. They bring about 12 with counselors. Right. And um, when they arrive, because we have a part of the campground that's sectioned off for us, it's actually roped off. Only those of us working with the camp can get in that whole area. Okay. So when they arrive, the cops are there from State Highway Patrol, Sheriff's Department, City Police, um, FBI, right. DEA, really, ATF or whatever, are all there in their uniforms, and they're helping the kids get off the, the uh, van or bus, taking them to their respective tents and everything. We go through whatever. We have a campfire that night. And it's next, fun. The next day we start, right. that cop that was in whatever uniform is dressed like me. Right. And that's your whatever leader, let's say, as an example. Right. And he's going to be taking you to these events, fishing and right. archery and all of that. And the point basketball. is, he's not against you. Right. So what do you think about this narrative? Hey, hey, black youth, remember, every time you leave your house, you might get shot by a cop. Yeah. That there's a narrative out there that if a black man gets pulled over by a police officer, they might get actually get killed. Mm -hmm. Well, they, <laughs> they, they certainly might. Obviously, the... They probably stand a better chance of getting struck by lightning. Right. But the the issue is more and more we're teaching kids. Um, you know, I do a lot of work at the prison, volunteer work. And one of the things that they did hand out, and we've passed it along to some of our youth, is when you get pulled over, this is how you should behave. Right. You know, your hands on the steering wheel. No matter, I would well, do that. Yeah, I understand. Right. But but you'd be surprised at the kids that don't know that. Right. So they, if they're fumbling around for, you can't do that. And like, well, you didn't have to come up to me like that. Look, I, one of the most dangerous things police do is to pull somebody over. Oh, absolutely. They have no idea what's going on. Right. We've had a number of cops killed that way 
They right. just, they don't know. Like if you especially if you're not in a high speed chase or something, you broke the law, you're speeding or whatever. They pull you over. You have no idea what they were coming up to. Right. So you need to keep your hands and everybody, not just the driver, whoever's in the car, put your hand on the dashboard or up or something. Even if they don't ask, have that there. Like my stuff is usually in some compartment. I would tell them like my driver's license are in this right here right. or in my you know glove box or what have you. Don't just start moving around. Right. I remember when I was a kid, my oldest brother. Well, honestly, I don't think it matters what color you are. I think they know right away if you have a track record. If they see you have if no tickets, if it's a local honestly, situation, yeah. Well, even state highway patrol. They're, they're going to pull you up every time by your license. They mm-hmm. know if you've been speeding X number of times, if there's a if there's a warrant out for you, if you've had a felony arrest. You just got out of prison. And they know. Yeah. I mean, they, they know, like, as soon as they come up to you, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter what color you are. They already know. If you are if you have a clean record, they're probably going to be mm-hmm. not as guard. But if there's a warrant, a felony warrant out for your arrest, and they pull you over, now they are going to be guarded. That's sure. a, this is oh, a fact. Yeah, yeah, they're going yeah, yeah. yeah. to call and help. The whole approach They're going to call and help. Absolutely. Their whole approach has to be different. Right. Uh, because you're probably not going to want to get arrested mm-hmm. and they know it could be a dangerous situation. So there, cause my daughter has, even in her four months as a state highway patrol right. cub was involved in these situations. So my, I kind of heard these my, stories. My brother had a, a Ford Torino. Remember Starsky and Hutch? Oh yeah. They were awesome. It was a different color, but the same car. So we're flying home from Cleveland once, you know, I'm the youngest, so I wasn't even old enough to drive. It was him and a friend of his in the front and I'm in the back. So he gets pulled over for speeding, which he was known for speeding. I'm going to tell you that. Right. And uh, so the cop comes up to the window routinely, looks down in the seat, like just out coming out from under the seat. My brother had a pellet gun. Oh and it was boy. sticking out about that much. <laughs> and the cop was like, put your hands up. And that's everybody was doing like this and everything. Of course, he completely forgot he had it. Right. And then the cop opened up the door and pulled it and grabbed it. He said, man, you scared me to death. That's what the cop said. Right. So he didn't know that. Right. He don't know what it is. He right. doesn't know my brother's not going to shoot him or try to. Did he get in any trouble? No, or he didn't. He got right. a ticket like normal. Right. But the cop, once he realized what it was and my brother's attitude behind it. Right. You know, my brother was very cooperative. Of course, he scared all of us. The cop did. He didn't pull his gun out, but he almost, he was ready to. <laughs> but that's, those, are, those are the things you. Yeah, right. You got to say. Well, that's all right. Because one night we were out with our twenty-two caliber pellet gun and the uh, cops were, we were behind people's houses and the cops got, and it was snowing. Or it snowed earlier, so the police officers were contacted. There's prowlers and burglars out here. So now they track us back. We're in our yard. My brother just shoots the gun. They hear the 22 oh, come great. off. So they know there's a gun there. We see the cop. They came from every direction, man. They came from behind us, left of us, right of us. My brother pitches that gun out in the snow so it was hidden. And those cops came in. It's like, we heard that gun, and we know it's here, and we want it right now. And I don't blame them for it. And then we're debating with the cops who's got to outrun who. So the police officers, I'm like, if we wanted to run, we would have been gone. And this is our attitude. It's like, we would have been gone, man. And he goes, let me tell you something. I was a track star in high school. You'd be getting nowhere. Okay? You tried to outrun me, I would have run you right straight down. So I pulled up the gun for him because I knew where it was Mm -hmm. and uh, gave it to him. They confiscated it, of course, and it was a big rigmarole, and my parents were gone, and what are we doing? We're getting in trouble with the cops, you know. Mm. The cops were in my house a lot when I was a kid, actually. <laughs> but they were nice to us, you know what I'm saying? And we were we were nice to them. But here's here are some statistics. In 2017, 457 white people were killed by cops, 223 blacks. There are twice as many white people killed by cops in 2016. In 2018, 399 white people were killed by police officers, 209 black people were killed by police officers. In 2017, 
19, 370 whites were killed by police officers, 235. They did a Harvard study, actually, and a, a, prof- a black professor in Harvard did mm-hmm. a study, and I should say a professor happened to be black. Yeah. Okay, because we got to get away from identifying people by race. He did a study. He found that that black that the police were less likely to fire on a black man than a white man. Mm-hmm. In Houston, they went and did an intensive search because they were afraid of getting in trouble. And so they were, they were less, they were more hesitant to fire a weapon on a black man than they were actually a white man. And across the entire nation, there was zero evidence that black people were being shot more than white people. Mm. Zero evidence. I mean, they went through the whole body cam, did all kinds of research. He said he was shocked because when he started out, he started out to prove that no blacks are being mistreated. He, there was zero evidence. A Harvard professor, African-American did that survey and found out there was no evidence that the police are targeting black people. Well, I would say statistically, I could, you know, probably say, yeah, that's true. Unfortunately, you do have pockets of places and people who well, George don't Floyd, <laughs> who don't, I mean, there, there don't, are meet, obviously. don't meet that statistical manipulation, but it's not systemic and across no. the board. And that, that's one thing I think that we have to uh, realize now. Um, one thing that I want to get at, uh, I mean, man, there's, we're going to have to come back and do another show sure. on uh, systemic racism, black lives matter, uh, that whole nine yards, because man, there, there's just, I told you the show was huge. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? We get to it, but I want to get some, to some takeaways in our last five minutes. Here's, here's one of my takeaways, and I don't know what you think about this. Let's stop talking about race all the time Start and start thinking of ourselves as equal. We're one in Christ and just make it simple. What happens to you, Steve, happens to me. It doesn't matter if you're black man, white man, Hispanic man. It happens to you. It happens to me. And that's how America has to look at it. That's We're it. never going to cure this or fix this. If we stop, if we don't start dividing ourselves into mm-hmm. this identity politics, which we, we love to do, you're, you're, boom, and we're here. No, no. This is all of us. We are one nation. We're all Americans and we're all God's kids. That's the great way to look at it. And that's how we have to promote it. And we need to put people in power who feel like that. Right. And who, you know, govern themselves like that. Right. Because we, the people, we, the people are the ones that make the difference. Right. You know, we got how many ever people in Congress and, you know, on the state and national level, that's only how many ever hundred, man, there's 300 and, 30, 40 million people in America, we, the people, govern those folks. Right. And we just cannot take, you know, we have taken on the uh, attitude of like those people in Washington or those people in Columbus or those people at City Hall. U.S. means us. Right. We are the ones that have the power to get them in or to take them out. Right. And you promote people with your ideals. Right. No, I agree. And people that are in touch with what's going on in in your neighborhood and And stuff. We have to love each other. I would say prayer. Yes. I think we should be praying about it. Uh, we should not be divided. I think the media wants to divide us. I think the media wants to foment. I think the media benefits by violence. The media benefits mm-hmm. by b- buildings burning and people oh, looting yeah. and rioting. Yeah. They're the ones that are benefiting by this because there's a story to sell. Don't trust the media to bring peace. <laughs> All right? Because that's, that's not going to happen. Yeah. We're going to have to look past what the media is telling us because they're not going to show you the peaceful protesters. Mm-hmm. They're going to show you violence. That's what they're going to show right. you. And they're going to make it seem like, and then they're going to rile up all, all the rest of America who's upset about this, who is just normal, you know, hardworking, law-abiding, and, and all races. I'm sure black people are upset about it. White people are upset about it. Hispanic people are probably upset about it. So don't allow that. And I think pray that the black family be restored. Because here's the thing that Larry Elder said, agree that 100%. He said, finish high school, get a full-time job, wait until you're 21 to get married. He said, the conservatives say it, the liberals say it, everyone says it. 
that's a path to the middle class. Mm-hmm. You've got to finish high school. You got to get a full time job and work and wait until you're 21, start a family a little bit later. That's your path forward. You're more likely to be you're successful. more likely. Absolutely. So, and the dads are involved in the home thing. All right, I'm going to give you the last minute. Oh, thank you. I want to I appreciate you for the work that you do and for even coming forward to address uh, this, what could be a sensitive topic to a lot of people, but you just take the bull by the horns and right. just go right on with it. I really appreciate that. And I've said this to you in private and I'll say it in public. I honest to God, believe you have a good heart and you mean well, right. and you really do want to see equality. Right. And you want to treat people right, regardless right. of where they come from. That's how I know you. Right. And that's what I know about you. Right. And even though you may have been raised a little different than me or from a different part of the country than right. I was, we have much more in common than we have different. Right. So therefore we can come together on these issues and we well, can we sit down. We both like football. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And we talked about, we're going to get together to watch a game together. One of these days, yeah. a Cleveland Brown Steelers game Ooh. or whatever game you want to watch. Maybe we can watch I'll tell you what. How about we'll make it a fair when the Eagles play the Browns? And we'll yeah, watch. That, they we, would do we, that. We, we, we I would do that. That, that way, I don't have to worry if the Brown, if the Steelers were to lose. Exactly. The way I react may not be conducive. Yeah, and I don't to... want you tearing up my living room. Okay. <laughs> You've been listening to the Way to Go podcast. We appreciate you tuning in this week. Appreciate you being. Thanks, Steve. Uh, love Thank you, man. You. Thank you. And uh, have a blessed and awesome week. <laughs>